Merry Christmas, amen. If you have got plenty, invite somebody, it's not everyone who is, so that you share. And God loves a cheerful giver. Share with your neighbors, share with your friends, communicate with some people while you are crying, some they will not be crying. I'm not going to take much of your time. Uh, we know that some will want to rush home so that we marinate our meat by soda. So I will just give a master class, talk to the body of Christ as we go and cross over to 2024. So the first part of this master class, it will be looking at Christmas, then uh, some of the truths on life as you get to 2024. Then we'll look at the calendar of January. What are we going to be doing? So we, while we're still on the same note, the second Sunday will be on the 31st of this month from today. And we're not going to be meeting that uh, 31st. And the first Sunday of the year 2024, it will be on the 7th, if I'm correct. That's when we are going to be meeting. Then from the 8th to the 28th, we'll be fasting 21 days of fasting, Amen. as we'll be taking control of the year 2024. Amen. So we'll start by just looking at Christmas. Why do we celebrate Christmas? And the reason and the need for us to celebrate Christmas. That's what we are going to start with. And uh, we'll unveil some secrets that are behind Christmas, then um, let's start by looking at the book of Isaiah 7, subsection 14. Uh, Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Come on, someone shout a sign. Yes, then he said, Behold, the young woman who is unmarried and a virgin shall conceive and be a son and shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Come on, someone shout, God with us. God with us. I think this is retrospective to the sermon that I once shared with you uh, on the prayer that Christ taught to his disciples that when you pray, say, Our Father who art in heaven, give us. So the mind of God is a corporate mind. God does not owe you anything. And God is not looking for an individual perception or response. He's looking on a corporate response. So even myself, when I'm dealing with the body of Christ, when I'm looking at you, I'm not, I don't look at you individually. I look at the corporate mind of God. So I may not be the best person that we want to be, but I'm looking at the corporate mind of God, that which God wants you to achieve and that which God wants the institution that he has called me into to achieve. That's why the Bible says God with us, not God with me. Emmanuel, it means God with us. So when you are coming to the house of God every Sunday, it's not about you, it's about us at the body of Christ. So what does not work for you, it works for us. What does not do for you, it does for us. Let's look at the book of uh, John, First John 4, verse 2 and verse 3. But this, by this, 
you may recognize perceive the spirit of God. Then I want you to listen to this. This is our deliverance. Every spirit which acknowledges and confesses that Jesus Christ, the one that we are supposed to be celebrating tomorrow, the Messiah, has become man and has come in the flesh, is God. Is of God, in fact. So John is saying that you must believe that even though Christ is spiritual, but he became man, he became dust, he became manure, he became this body that is corruptible body, and has come in the flesh. Then three says, and every spirit which does not acknowledge and confess that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. I want you to get this. We know that the Bible requires us to treat and to approach God as spirit and as spiritual. But this time around, the Bible is saying that if you don't acknowledge the personality, the carnality, the manhood of Jesus Christ, if you don't yeah, appreciate that he became as a celestial being like you and me, then the Bible continues to say that it is the spirit of Antichrist which you had that it was coming and now it is already in the world. So tomorrow we'll be celebrating the birth of Jesus Christ in the flesh. So the moment you just say, I don't understand, I don't believe Christmas, you are qualified in this scripture. So I'm here to help the body of Christ. So let's look at, the, which is my last, I think, a scripture, Genesis. I know. Let's look at, at Matthew 2, verse 1. I'm giving you these scriptures so that you variate, use them as we get to next year, as we get to many years to come. The book of Matthew 2, verse 1, it reads, Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men, which were astrologers from the east, came to Jerusalem, asking, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east at its rising, and they have come to worship him. That was the birthing of Jesus Christ. So whenever we celebrate Christmas, we are not celebrating, we are worshiping him. As the Bible would say, I would have read down and understand what the chiefs and the Herod later said about Jesus Christ. But you understand that most of the people that came to see Jesus Christ, they came with the fragrant incense, they came with gifts, with the gold, they came with uh, onyxes, powerful praises and gifts as an acknowledgement that a king had been born. Then the last uh, scripture, it's uh, Genesis 3. Verse uh, 14 to 15. I'm going to take it from here. Genesis 3 14 to 15. And the Lord said to the second, Because you've done this, you are cursed above all domestic animals and above every living thing of the field. Upon your belly you shall go and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. And I'll put enmity between you and the woman. In the book of Isaiah, the Bible says 
I will raise up a vision, and a vision shall give birth to a child. This is the prophecy now that is prospective to all the scriptures that I read. And the Bible says, I'll put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and your offspring. Ye will bruise. The Bible does not say they will. The Bible says ye will bruise. Which means on the 25th, uh, 25th of December, we are celebrating one person. He will bruise. Speaking of Jesus Christ, and tread your head underfoot, and you will lie in wait and bruise his heel. So the first thing that we are going to look at, number one, is the Bible itself. Do you have your Bible, your soft copy, or your hard copy? Can you lift it up? So let's look at the Bible. The Bible is different from every book. On what basis? Why? Because it is the only book among the religions that we have that addresses mankind issues. The Quran, I had the opportunity to read it, it only addresses Allah and his prophets. It does not involve humans, it doesn't involve mankind, it's only deifying, referencing and worshipping Allah. It speaks about Allah. But the credibility of the Bible is that it is the only book that has got a human factor in it or human history. So that's why you find out that in the Bible, you find your mistakes there. In the Bible, you can find your weaknesses there. In the Bible, you can find your victories there. In the Bible, you can even find actually that which you are going through. You may be passing through difficulty, people hate you for no apparent reason, people don't even acknowledge you for no apparent reason. In the Bible, you can find yourself there. The Bible, again, you can, you can be an orphan, you can be a divorcee, you can be divorced, you can find yourself in that. You can be barren, you find yourself there. You can be an adulterous person, you find yourself because you meet with the David there. You can be promiscuous, you find Samson there. So it speaks and covers every human factor. That's what makes the Bible so credible. So the Bible records mistakes of the matrix and the patriarchs, of which a lot of us, we have been doing a lot of mistakes the whole 2023. Last year, even as we get to 2024, some of our decisions are going to be mistakes, not decisions. In the Bible, you find yourself there. But if you read some other religions, they speak about Buddha, they find Buddha, you don't find yourself there. If you read the Baralahau, you find them deifying him as the only God. So that brings the credibility of the Bible. Then going back to Christmas, the introduction of Christmas in the Bible was in the book of Genesis 3, from verse 14 to 15. I said it's a masterclass. It takes revelation to understand what I'm going to be teaching you and sharing with you. But it's just a master class. It's not a preaching. It's a master class. I'm going to help you as we get to 2024. The Bible speaks of Adam. Adam was given authority by God. He was given everything that man could require. And the Bible says God blessed Adam with a wife in the name of Eve. After he was blessed with Eve, the Bible says this uh, Satan entered the serpent. The serpent was not evil. 
the serpent had a certain characteristic personality that the devil wanted because the serpent was very subtle. It, it, it had a corrupted wisdom which the devil wanted. And the Bible says, the serpent went unto Eve and said unto Eve, take the fruit. It, Eve tried to fight with the serpent about six verses. They record the fighting that was between back and forth between Eve and the serpent. And the Bible says, then um, Eve succumbed under the pressure of the serpent. And the Bible says, she then took the fruit after she capitulated to the pressures of the devil. When she ate of the fruit, nothing happened that uh, affected the universe or the creation of God. Then the Bible says, she then gave Adam the fruit. The moment Adam ate of the fruit, the Bible says everything went askew. That's when the disorder and the universe was disturbed. The order of the spirit, the order of humanity was disturbed. The Bible says after some minutes and seconds, God was heard walking in the garden because he wanted answers. The Bible says as he was walking God in the garden, uh, the voice of God was heard walking in the garden. Then uh, God called for Adam because he could not find Adam at the position where Adam was supposed to be, where they used to meet, because this was um, uh, an everyday activity, an, an everyday itinerary between Adam and God. Then the Bible says, God said unto Adam, what have you done? And Adam said unto God, I realize that I'm naked, then I'm hid. And God said unto Adam, have you eaten of the tree that I have forbidden you? And the Bible says, Adam said, the wife that you have given unto me, shifting responsibility to God. And God went unto Eve and said, what have you done to the man? And Eve said, the serpent. Then God went unto the serpent and said unto the serpent, what have you done? And the serpent did not answer. Then the authority of humanity was transferred to the serpent. Then look at the order. When God now started now to talk to these people and give them their words, Initially, when he started, he started with Adam, Eve, and the serpent. Genesis 3, 14 to 15, God started with the serpent when now rewarding them. So God said unto the serpent, and the Lord said unto the serpent, because of done this, cursed above all domestic animals and above every living creature of the field, upon your belly shall go. So you find out that the serpent that particular time, it was part and parcel of the domestic animals. It could be domesticated, number one. Number two, the Bible says, upon your belly you shall go, which means the serpent used to walk. So when the case came, the serpent became a reptile that cannot be domesticated. Number two, it had no legs. But 50 now is the invitation for Christmas. That was the first invitation that was given to the devil. God said, I'm going to put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and your offspring. Semicolon. He will bruise. He's speaking about Jesus Christ, the coming of Jesus Christ. Before God spoke of the coming of Jesus Christ to any prophet, to any apostle, the first invitation of Christmas was given to the devil. That man, I'm going to come back, but this is how I'm going to come back. I will raise up a woman on a certain day that woman, she's going to give birth to a son. And that son is going now 
to take the authority from you. So from Genesis 3, 14 to 15, you are going to find out uh, that all the prophets that came, the apostles, all the ministers of the gospel, the matrics and the patriarchs, they were living in the promise of Christmas, but they could not leave Christmas, because Christ had not yet been born. But they knew the prophets that was given. When Isaiah is coming and he's saying now, in the book of Isaiah, chapter 7, verse 14, that um, the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, the young woman, and that particular time, the woman has not been selected, who is uh, unmarried, and a vision shall conceive and be a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel, God with us. This is Isaiah who is prophesying years before Christmas. So these were invitations and promises that were supposed to be given to humanity. Uh, for the past five years, if you are somebody who loves uh, current affairs like me, you'll find out that in America, there have been meetings and meetings. Why? Because of Christmas. Most of the leaders, politicians, corporate leaders in America, they said we mustn't celebrate Christmas and recognize it. Instead of saying 25 December Christmas, it must be called Holiday Day. Why are they trying to do this? They understand Christmas and the effects and the mystery that is behind Christmas. Then you find out that a lot of atheists right now that are writing books against Christmas, they are coming from America. The agenda has been financed with billions and billions. Why? Because there is something that Christmas does that you and me must have illumination in. Okay, let me show you what Christmas does. Uh, why is Christmas so hated? Number one, it's because it is Jesus in it. That's number one, why Christmas is hated by a lot of people. Because there is an atheist in America who said, all the things that we see today, they were there. The God that you are being preached of, even Jesus, is just a figment of your mind. Something that we fed in your Christendom. They are saying that Christianity is the opium of religion, and religion is opium of Christianity. Why? Because it's just something that we fed when we we're growing up that there's God, yet it's just a figment. He's an atheist. But you find out that when we say we celebrate Christmas, what we are celebrating is the factor that is in that Christmas. Or number two, if I'm celebrating Christmas, it means I'm agreeing that Jesus Christ is God. The Bible says that whoever comes to God must believe that, number one, he, is, he came in the flesh. He was man. Then he was manifested and he walked the earth. So the moment I say 25th of December is Christmas, I celebrate, I am agreeing with the scriptures. So atheists and Americans, they have understood that that day, billions and billions, they celebrate agreeing that Jesus is the Lord. I don't know if I'm talking about in this place. Again, if you read the book of John, chapter 1, subsection 14, the Bible reads and says that, and the world became flesh, and it tabernacled among us, the word being Jesus Christ. Okay, let me read, uh, phrase it. And Jesus became flesh and tabernacled among us, full of glory and truth, and we behold his glory. 
So the moment I say Christmas is there and I celebrate it, I am acknowledging the fact that Jesus, the world, became an incarnate and became flesh and dwelt among us and became our savior. Because Jesus Christ's name is Messiah and the other name of Jesus is Savior. So the moment I say Christmas is there, I'm acknowledging that Jesus is the savior. So all those that are saying Allah is the savior, they will be subjected and capitulate because I have acknowledged when the government say Merry Christmas, they are just acknowledging that Jesus Christ is Lord. I'm coming back to you. Then number two, the Bible says again that um, if at another point that I have to make is that when we celebrate Christmas, you are agreeing that God came to the earth. There's an agreement that he did not only live in heaven, he came on earth. We always see that he came on earth, he died, he was crucified, and he rose up again. So that's an agreement. Number three, when we celebrate Christmas tomorrow, there's an agreement that we are responsible to God. We're responsible to God. Again, another point, when we celebrate Christmas, we agree that we are accountable to God. Our behaviors, our governments, our politics, our economists, our, our technology and our sciences, we acknowledge that they are accountable to God. That's Christmas. When we celebrate Christmas, it means that we are responding to the message and principles of his laws. That's what celebrating Christmas means. When we celebrate Christmas again, it means we must, number one, answer to God for our actions and our behaviors. So that's why it's hated, because they know the secret behind Christmas, the mystery that is behind Christmas. And there is a tragedy that I call the tragedy of the means versus the end. That's the tragedy of Christmas, that a lot of people, they celebrated the means more than the end. Because on Christmas, there are two things that we celebrate. There is the means and the end. Christmas is the means that brought, brought Jesus Christ to the earth and that brought salvation. And that's what a lot of people are celebrating. But there is a challenge between um, the concept of the means and the end and the end and the means. The means is salvation, but the end is Jesus Christ. So when we celebrate uh, the end on Christmas, what we are doing, we are giving honor to Jesus Christ. We are celebrating Jesus Christ. Many, many permutations and factors can influence Christmas, but the end product of Christmas should be Jesus Christ. All that Jesus or God spoke about in the book of Genesis, coming to the book of Isaiah, coming now to the book of Matthew, where the Bible says that when Jesus was born in Bethlehem, so, which means from the book of Genesis to Matthew chapter 2, it was just a promise announcement, he's coming, he's coming, he's coming, he's coming. When David came and Solomon, he's coming. So all these prophets, they could hear the echoes of the kingdom that he is coming, he is coming, 
Because God said unto the devil, yes, you took authority, but I am coming back. And he is coming. So when we get now to Matthew 2, the Bible says he was now born in Judea. And that time Herod was the king. And Herod hated the guts of Jesus Christ. Come on, somebody shout Christmas. Christmas. I don't hear you shout Christmas. Christmas. So which simply means that even in our contemporary life, bringing it back now to our psychological disposition, that no matter or in spite of what you can go through as a child of God, one thing that you must know, there's always a, cross, a Christmas promise to the devil that is coming. Whenever Jesus Christ dawns in a situation and the devil is pushed out, it's Merry Christmas. So Merry Christmas is not only 25th of December. I may be going through difficult situations, maybe I'm subjected under rejection, people are rejecting me. There's always a promise that is coming, and the devil knows it, that there's always a promise. So the day God comes and delivers me from that spirit of rejection, it's Merry Christmas. The devil knows it. Whenever God comes in a family where people are dying like flies, then he stops that covenant of death, Merry Christmas. When people are fighting you for no apparent reason, they don't understand you, they don't love you the way you feel like you're supposed to be loved. When Christ comes with his love, Merry Christmas. So when God said unto the devil, he is coming and is going to deal with the offspring, the word he is coming, it was Merry Christmas, the devil. He knew that things are not going to be the same again. Even after this service, if something new happens in your life, that you can, you can, you can uh, say the devil has been causing, being them trajectories of life, the devil may place you at a, a place where you are marginalized, where we are stigmatized in life, where you are prejudiced. But the moment the devil leaves you, Merry Christmas to you. Whatever transpired in your life from January up to now, things that you can point and say God has done A, B, C, D. To the ears of the devil, there's always an echoing voice which says he's coming. He's coming. He knows in his kingdom that he is coming. Because that's the first promise that God gave to the devil. He could have said unto Adam, he is coming, your brother Jesus. But he said, let me do Merry Christmas to the devil. Adam knew about it by prophets, that there is a guy who is coming. Merry Christmas to your life. If God is going to bless you before the end of 2023, I say Merry Christmas to you. Amen. Merry Christmas is not only a day, but it's a person. Merry Christmas is not only about Jesus, but it's about you as well. He is coming, causing a vision to give birth to a solution. That solution is Merry Christmas. Whatever solution that God is going to give you and has given you, I say Merry Christmas to you. I don't know if I'm talking to somebody in this place. Amen. So that's all about Christmas. What brings religion in Christmas is this, that religion is the worship of the process, which is called Christmas, or is the worship of the means, which is Christmas. That's what's religion. But when you worship the end, of the process, that's Christianity, which is Jesus Christ. 
So a lot of us we have been subjected and capitulated to religion because we were so uh, covered and we were so immersed into the process, into the means than the end, which is Jesus Christ. I hope I've communicated something special to you. Amen. So I say Merry Christmas to you. Amen. And I prophesy a prosperous new year to you. Amen. May the good Lord meet you at the point of your demand blessing as we enter 2024. Amen. For 2024 to be different for you, engineer it. Nobody owes you. I always tell people that we are not old. The government of South Africa does not owe you. Government of Zimbabwe doesn't owe you. Government of Uganda does not owe you. You owe yourself. If things are going to shift in life, it's predicated on you. I have grown to the extent that even myself, I know that no one owes me. Even God does not owe you. I've read of a certain powerful singer we used to sing with celebration who died on the stage. You would think uh, that he deserves to live more because he was singing gospel, but he died on the stage. God does not owe anybody. You owe yourself. What I've managed to achieve this year, 2023, little or bigger, I had to work hard to get where I am because nobody owes me. Every month, some pastors, they receive appreciation, groceries, but I've learned to, to accept it, that I, you don't owe me, Mama Aisha, you don't owe me nothing. I must make sure that these kids they've eaten, you owe me nothing. But if I don't understand that, I'll hurt you. You owe me nothing. Glory be to Jesus. This December, some people received the suits as ministers of the gospel. Some received the cars. But do I owe you? Do you owe me? You don't owe me. I must make sure that I have to have strategies on how to survive. Africa and the world does not owe you nothing. You owe yourself life. When you are coming to the house of God, you are coming to a place of transformation. You are coming to a place where you must be impacted with strategies, decision-making strategies on how to make it outside there. The body of Christ does not owe you. When we went to Ghana, that time I had not yet matured. I thought Archbishop owes me, so the moment he's going to pray for me, I'm going to become a global millionaire because the man is a global millionaire. The man is known everywhere. I thought it's going to happen. But among the people that I went with, most of them right now, if you look at their life, it's, it's in a shame situation. Why? Because we thought that even when we were flying back, we said, since this man has touched us, he owes us because he's the senior man on the apex of ACI. Majority of them, if I can mention one by one, some of them, they are living in farms. Some of them, they are roaming in the streets of Eslim. No church, they don't have even congregations. Only one or two people have managed to make it. Among the people that were within Ghana, does Archbishop owe me anything? No, he doesn't owe me. I owe myself, Lord be Jesus, if I'm going to make it in 2024 or in any life, if I'm going to buy houses, I owe it to myself. When I came to South Africa the first time, I was, I was, I was, I was promised something that when I, 
I looked at the promise, it was good. I accepted and I was happy. Four months down the line, there was nothing, literally nothing that was coming to me. And I thought that the whole organization owes me. There was a time, sometimes I could think of, I used to go, as my wife, sometimes we would go to church around 12, instead of 10, walking like a desk, because we thought that they owe us, until God said to me, they don't owe you, you owe yourself life. Then I made 